everybody, welcome to This Good Word, episode 9. I can't believe we are already to 9, almost double digits. The word today is questions. And I have my very, very sweet and dear friend, Katie Schlenk, with me. Say hi, Katie. Hey, guys. Uh, Katie is just an amazing person. She is a lawyer, maybe a recovering lawyer. Is that what you would say? Maybe. Uh, maybe, maybe. She's also, I, would you say, a recovering atheist? I mean, I don't even know. I can't even decide. I don't think I knew any better. For sure, agnostic. Okay. I think I said atheist. Yeah. It's hard to say. Did you have tattoos as well? I mean, no, but I was on the thing? mailing list. <laughs> the Minnesota Atheist oh. Society is still trying to grab me back. It's so good. Okay, so this is the way today's going to work. Katie has prepared some questions theological questions, life questions, uh, spiritual questions. And I do not know what those questions are. They are a complete mystery to me, so that's what's fun. I may get stumped, and if I get stumped, I'll just be mad at Katie. I will look foolish, but that's okay. That happens um, sometimes. Oh, it totally happens. Where you get mad at me and you look foolish, and it's yeah. all good. Katie and I work together. Uh, she works at Genesis Covenant Church, St. Louis Park, Minnesota. You guys know that. Maybe you don't know that. Uh, we're about a one-year-old church plant, and we're having a blast. But Katie, and Katie's going to tell a little bit of that story later on. But we're talking about questions today, and the reason why we're doing that is because I want to highlight the importance of wrestling, of doubting, of uncovering hidden fears, and walking into freedom. And I think in the Christian world in general, at least the one I grew up with, questions weren't very uh, welcome. And certainly, I mean, maybe some questions were, but certainly the deeper ones weren't. If you had them, you were just sort of supposed to stay uh, hidden about those and keep them secret. And so I want to blow that up uh, because this podcast is really all about reclaiming what is holy about our humanity. And questions are some of the deepest uh, reflections of who we are as a people because we don't have a lot of answers, but we have a lot of questions. Uh, I want to give a, a quote by Rainer Maria Rilke from the book Letters to a Young Poet. Beautiful book if you haven't read it. And I love this uh, quote. Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms and like books that are now written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answers. Whoa. Whoa. Rainer Maria Rilke. And so the book, Letters to a Young Poet, is, is an actual series of letters that were written back and forth between this German poet, theologian, and this young poet that was going to the school that he graduated from. So I think Rilke is about 30 when he writes this book, and the young poet is, I wish I you could know, write like say that maybe 19. Yeah. For now that I'm 30. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Okay, before we get into the questions, some shout-outs. A big shout-out to my friend Ted in Ohio. We're having this great conversation back and forth via email. Ted, this podcast is for you, my friend, uh, because questions are good, and I love your questions. Hi, Ted. So, Katie says hello. Uh, also, Bulgaria, who are you? Many, many listens, and I've not heard from any one of you via email or something. Hopefully, English is not a barrier, but if it was, you wouldn't be listening to the podcast. <laughs> so, 
you know. Google Translate. Do something. Email me. Get on Instagram and give me a picture of where you live and um, and where you're listening to the podcast. So fun. Uh, new listeners from the U.S. Virgin Islands. We are jealous of you because we're about to head into a long season of winter, USVI people. I don't know. Are you sailors? Who knows? And also the country of Jersey. Katie, do you know where Jersey is? It sounds like probably in the it, Great Britain type area. Is it? Atlantic Ocean with the cows, the Jersey cows. I don't know. Perhaps. I think so. I, I was thinking former Soviet bloc. Do you not have a assistant? Who's going to look this up for us? Uh, clearly we... Okay, we're going to get that in the show notes. <laughs> we're going to get that in the show notes where Jersey is, but I do not... I mean, other than, you know, the eastern seaboard of our good country here, the U.S. of A. Which is... New, New Jersey. Jersey, the newest of Jersey. The newest oh, of so Jersey. maybe yes. you're right. Maybe you're right. But I, where is that? No, it's an island. I'm, I swear it is an island because there's Guernsey and there's Jersey and there's all these cows. Okay, and then there people. were these breeds and they came over. Someone uh, settle this for us. Tweet Steve Weens <laughs> or something. Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Okay, and also just reminding you guys the show notes. If you go to my website, steveweens.com, and uh, just Look for episode nine, show notes. The word, again, is questions. You'll see the Rainer Maria Rilke quote. You'll see a couple of books that I'm going to recommend at the end. Uh, and you'll see any other fascinating things that ends up in this conversation. Also, if you are anywhere near the Twin Cities, um, my book release party, uh, I think I've mentioned several times, an awkward attempt to promote <laughs> my own self, um, uh, I've written a book. It's coming out January 1st. It's called Beginnings. And in St. Paul, Minnesota, on the night of Friday, uh, December 11th, I'm having a book release party. And what I'm going to do is give two free books to the person that's traveled the farthest to attend this party. Hmm. So, uh, Jersey, Jersey, maybe maybe you're coming. You know yeah. what I mean? Okay. How about Brooklyn Park? BP is not going to, that's not going to win, Katie. That's right. not going to win. That's right. that's a scant 20 miles from St. Paul. I don't think it's even 20. <laughs> it's probably not. <laughs> All right, so that's it. Let's get into the questions, Katie. But first, before the questions, I mean, we're going to have this, 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 this show is going to be four hours long. Uh, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. Yep. Not kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm really not okay with that. Katie, <laughs> tell the listeners, the good listeners, a little bit about how you met me and anything else you want to say. All right. Well, hello to all of you. I've never done anything like this. Um, the only thing that's been close to this is this is something that Weens didn't know about me, mm. which is that I had a cable access television program <laughs> with my friends <laughs> in high school. I was mostly a behind oh, the scenes type of creature. Were um, you putting up like graphics and stuff up on the screen? It was really you... hard to say what I was doing back there, wow. but it was really important work. And now by cable television? You had a video camera going? It was a, yeah, you know? Yeah, it was Northwest Wayne Community Television. I don't know if you guys are from the Northwest suburbs here in Minneapolis. And it's Channel 12. Public access. Public access. And um, we had various shows. And because my two best friends, one was a violinist and composer, the other one was a film director. And so he would play movies, he would play violin. It was crazy. I think we have some stock footage somewhere. I'll show it to you. Let's get that. So anyway, let's get that. That was a long time ago. That okay. was, you know, 15 years ago. Mm. So here I am. Um, what I'm doing here today is talking with my good friend Weens, which is going to be hysterical. I, I wish I, and I'll just start. Yeah. That you and I met at a church. Oh yeah. 
Church of Maple Grove, Church of the Open Door. Yep. Hello, Church of the Open Door yes. people, friends. Hello. Compatriots. So Steve was working there at the time. I was mm -hmm. a volunteer, and I wanted to become a volunteer. I had to be interviewed for this position to be a basically a mentor to other mentors. It's a long story. You were our first interview. I was your first interview, so yep. I walk in and there's Weens. You're always overachieving that I way. <laughs> I got the first one. <laughs> My application was the prettiest, I'm sure. Uh, so I walk in and I meet this guy and I'm like. All right, whatever. And then he tells me something about my life that I will never forget. Um, and I'll just I'll just leave there that there. But that first impression mm -hmm. that I had with you, and you told me some truth even though you didn't know me, and that has really stuck with me this whole time. I remember what that was. You don't? I do. Yeah, I've yeah I, do. I was gonna say if you don't, then I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm offended. Well, um, that it was kind be of a big first. deal. Kind yeah. of a big deal. So. I saw him on and off. Um, he began teaching less in, uh, involved with the, the youth program that I was part of. Every now and then, though, I'd have a question. Mm -hmm. Is that the question? Of the, that's the word of the day. Totally. I'd have a question. I'd be like, well, literally the only human I know at this church is this dude. So I would email him, and he always had resources, questions, willing to talk. Mm -hmm. It was a very good intro to who you are. On the other hand, on Sunday mornings, you were not my favorite speaker. <laughs> I will say that. There were two main preachers at that church, and I did prefer the latter. So the out, of, one. out of two, I was ranked number two. You were ranked number two. <laughs> out of two. Um, your style has grown on me, and I love it now, mm. just so you know, just mm -hmm. so everyone knows. Um, I found out that Weens was leaving that church and that he was writing a book, and I will never forget... I got a text from a friend. I was out of town. I wasn't at church that weekend. She's like, oh my gosh, Steve Weens is leaving. He's going to write a book. And the first thought that popped in my head is like, man, he's full of himself and he's yes. a megalomaniac. That is the first thing <laughs> I thought of. I was so mad. I'm like, You're, you were supposed to stay there. What are you doing? Like, who plants a church and writes a book? Like, You got to have a little megalomania to do that. You have to. And we've talked about that. Bit. I've called that out of you. Okay. I've seen it in you. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. We all have something. And, um, so anyway, I just thought it was ridiculous and I wasn't even going to visit the church. So then I had a child and I was visiting, um, I was say visiting church. I just wasn't going that often, but I just happened to go on the weekend that Steve and Mary were blessed on their way out from that church and into their new endeavor with this new church of Genesis. And it's related to what we're going to talk about today. It's one of my proofs of God. That's what I talk about. Because in that service, I felt like God was telling me to help Ween start his church. Which... And, and just can I, can I pause there for a second? Yeah. Because now some now some people are listening to that and they're like, what? Hear from God? Yeah. Other people are like, oh yeah, of course, we're Christians. We always hear from yeah. God. Is that a normal thing for you to no. feel like you're sitting in church, you're hearing from God? No. I have three. <laughs> three in your I life? Three in my entire life. That's pretty good. And Ween is one of them. So that you're kind of up there now. Wow. You know? Kind of number two speaker well no i think there's been four now but that one has been very recent um so that's a really good point just the fact that i'm saying these words the fact that i work at a church the fact that i can admit on a podcast with hundreds thousands of listeners who knows who knows they're all over the world um that i actually heard from god is profound yeah i would never have admitted that mm -hmm. ever even to myself so that's shown what kind of growth i've gone through um where was I? Well, I think you were talking about how you met yeah, me. Yeah, so I did. I, I was sitting in church, and I literally felt like God was telling me to help this guy start this church, which it wasn't like a big boom, booming voice from above. It was just like, oh, man, I think I'm supposed to help him. 
but that's ridiculous. Why would I do that? <laughs> that makes no sense. Yes. I have like a nine month old at home and all of this stuff. I'd stopped practicing. I wasn't, uh, wasn't practicing as an attorney. I was home with my son and it just happened to be at the right moment. Weens and I both needed each other. I needed mm-hmm. something to kind of, you know, I kept my baby alive for nine months. You know, I was feeling pretty good about myself, ready to kind of venture out. Weens needed somebody to maybe just start doing some stuff to help yeah. him start this thing. And so I went up to him afterwards and I'm like, hey, do you even know my name? And you're like, yeah, it's Catherine. I went by Catherine then. I was surprised. I'm like, oh, he even remembers me. Because really over the seven or so years, I talked to you probably three, four, five times. Yeah, but we met with Mayor and Dave, you, you, you and Dave in the office that time. And we met and I interviewed yeah. you. And yeah, so. I just assume people don't remember me. Mm. I think that's a cynicism I have towards the church, especially yes. bigger churches and For pastors. Sure. And so I think that's my own baggage that I cover. I did not expect you to remember who I was. Mm. You're like, yes, I know who you are. What do you mm. want? No. Uh, <laughs> what do you want? No, you were all kind of misty Get out of and my you were mind. touched by the service. And I just walked up to you and said, I think I'm supposed to help you. And I remember I said, I will lick envelopes, whatever you need. Yeah. I didn't know what starting a church meant. Yeah. I had no idea. Neither did I really, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> a year later, here we are. Um, so I said, okay. And you came over to my house and we started talking. I think this is the point where we have to say that... Um, I was raised Catholic. Yeah. I didn't have any personal connection with God. I didn't like going to church. I went to like Sunday school and CCD, the Wednesday night thing for the older kids. And everyone who bullied me and was cruel to me at school was just as cruel there. Yeah. And that really shaped my picture of God. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. If I can't escape this social stuff that's going on when I walk into a church or I walk into a school where God is supposed to be, then I don't want to be there. Right. And that's what really formed my agnosticism slash atheism, whatever you want to call it. So I did start attending church in college, high well, no, college, kind of some law school, just dabbled in it. Um, Genesis, this church I now work at, is my first church home mm. ever. Yeah, It's my first church community ever. Um, so the fact that I work at a church, that I have a church home, I'm 33 years old, this is all really new. So this is why I think you brought me in here. It's because I am unchurched. Yes. I don't know. I wasn't raised in the culture. I don't know these things. When I first started talking with you, I'm like, oh, is that a Christian thing? <laughs> like I'd ask you all the time. Somebody would have something like wearing something or a, a tattoo or like something. I'm like, oh, is that a Christian thing? Because I didn't know. She, okay, you literally... So... We have a few friends who have <laughs> tattoos instead of wedding rings. It's just, you know, a few. On their fingers. And, um, on their fingers. And, you know, and so, and Katie, just her hilarious, cynical self is like, oh, yeah, that's just what Christians do. Like, all yeah. Christians. Like, all Christians, Christians I know. tattoo their fingers. It's so oh, disappointing because so I go to church on Sundays and I don't, I don't really see any tattoos. I know. Tattoos. There's, there's just a, a couple a of few. them. It's the fallacy of generalization. You know, I wow. saw a couple and I'm just like, yeah, that must be a Christian thing. I just assume I'm, like, not in on it. So that's just listeners, so you know. Like, were I you in a band this... called the Fallacy of Generalization when you were in junior high? No, but I went to law that'd school be a and took great logic. Band name. So yeah, I wasn't in a band. I didn't have. You should have been. Giant earrings. I have curly hair, but it wasn't as crazy as yours. Okay. You're older than I am. We have to remember this. So have we posted like... pictures of my long hair yet? I don't know if we have. Um, I'm. Did we? Oh, no, we did. We did. No, we did on last week's show notes. Oh, it was okay. so gross. Yeah, well, that My was wedding your wedding picture. picture. Yeah, awesome. It was tied back. Yeah. People haven't seen it in its full glory. Are you saying that I should 
I should put that out there. I'll put that well, out probably. there. Probably. All right, you're check out the show notes. Willing to. I think you're pretty entertained by how you look uh, back then, and I think you're really willing to show <laughs> it's it. It's pretty awful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Katie, um, I, I agree that I brought you on here because of your agnostic background, but also because yeah. I love you, yeah. and because I love how you think, and yeah. I just remember this one time, it was late, it was like, well, late for me, 11 p.m. It's <laughs> late for me, too. Me you and, and Mary were sitting in my living room, and yes. I remember you, yeah. you, you, it was after this meeting we had, and you kind of held up the Bible, and you, you were shaking it, and you're like, this is dangerous. I mean, yes. who, this is a dangerous book, and you have this intensity, yeah. and, um, and so let's, can we, can we yeah. dive into some questions? Let's do it. Can we go? And so this is going to be a conversation back and forth. Yeah. It's not just going to be, you know, Katie asking one question and then me rambling for a while, but it will be, um, it will be, you know, fun. Yep. And then we've got the lightning round at the end. Lightning round at the end. Yeah. We have three or four or five good questions from you guys. Yep. Uh, so let's go. All right. Preface. Preface. Also, because I'm so sensitive to people who are on various journeys with God or not on a journey with God. Um, I was there. I know what it's like. I'm almost, and this is something very honest about questions is there's a part of me that's concerned about bringing my questions. It's like, I don't want to plant mm. the seed of doubt yeah. in other people. Um, and so just as a disclaimer, which shows my empathetic side, um, even I have concerns about my questions and if my questions will become other people's questions and if that'll screw them up. So, okay. so that's, that's a there. disclaimer that I have. Okay, human. Holy. But I think a lot. I mm. analyze a lot. And I can't help it. It's just the way it goes. My, I'm glad that you brought up that time uh, where you and Mary and I sat around at 11 o'clock. It was awfully late. And I shook that book, that book being the Bible that I have here right in front of me. And I just, I feel like, Steve, people shouldn't be able to read it mm -hmm. unless they know Hebrew. Yeah. Greek mm -hmm. and have a literature degree. Yeah. So in that way, it makes me sound like the Pope of the medieval times that didn't want <laughs> anybody to read the Bible, but the priests. But honestly, um, so one of the big questions I feel like in Christianity and the Bible, something that you can just kind of latch on to is God seems to change his mind, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The golden cow and he's going to like, I'm not going to make all these references, um, regretting that he made Saul king. Mm -hmm. You know, there are these things. Well, when I study it, because I do, because I'm a nerd, I look, and I've learned from studying with Weens, and you've learned from studying with the rabbi, that you need to look. Mm -hmm. What do these words mean? Mm -hmm. You're reading this book in English, and it says God regrets making Saul king. Mm -hmm. And then you look at it in Greek, and you're like, wait a minute. It doesn't mean regret. Mm. Not in the sense that we mean. Mm. What are we supposed to do with that? Right. So... What I'm hearing, so I think number one, the Bible, right? What is the Bible? Yes. I mean, that's so. There's like seven questions there. Yeah. But and I think when we look about when we look at the Bible as if it was supposed to answer every single question we ever had, and as if even God can be totally and fully contained within our understanding of the Bible, and that's what I want to say. Like each one of us have has a lens that we read the scriptures through. And that lens is based on our wiring, it's based on our upbringing, it's based on the culture in which we live. Yes. And so every single person alive reads it in a biased way. And that's not bad, that's human, that's, that's a part of our humanity. Yes. And so when we read it, I think we all have to have the humility to say, 
I'm not getting this totally right. I don't really know. But we don't. Okay, and that's the problem. Right? <laughs> There's the problem. No, that is the problem. It is the problem. If everyone went to this, this because it, it's this, um, it's this dialectic. It's like I do believe. I'm sitting here right now, and I'm facing you and saying that I believe in this book, and mm-hmm. I believe in the God that ins- inspired, wrote, uh, created this book. But I'm also looking at this book and being like. Yes. What do you do? Yes. Well, and it, so I would it's also... all relative. Who cares then? <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> if we all have a lens, then what is truth? Right. And so, and I would say we need to read the scriptures and remember that actually, and this might sound like heresy to some people, but I'm excited. Even within the scriptures, not all verses are created equal. Yeah. Not all verses are created equal. There's one verse that says you shouldn't boil. Uh, the mother's or the goat in the mother's milk. Yes. You know, it's like, because if you do, you're going to break God's law. Well, I'm pretty sure we can kind of put that aside now that we shouldn't sure. worry about boiling a go- a young goat in its mother's milk. Sure. However, when Jesus says to us, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that is on a different level. And that is relevant for all time. There will always be people who interact with each other and have hatred and anger in our hearts and there's this confrontation by this man named Jesus that says hmm instead of retaliating instead of dropping another bomb instead of you know getting revenge try to pray for them I mean what would that do so we'll both sit here and we'll both be pretty comfortable with that statement that you made that some verses are created equal or we can at least sit in Mm -hmm. it Um, obviously there are readers listeners who would be like Oh, no, that is absolutely not true. Every single word in here needs to be taken at exactly the same plane. Right. But I'm going to let that be for now because I want the one of my biggest questions that I really struggle with is Paul. Mm. So I came to a staff meeting once. I looked across the table at my boss, my senior pastor, Mr. Stephen P. J. Weens. J. J. I always think it's P. What does P stand for? I don't know. I think it's because you spell Stephen with the PH. Ah, yes. And so I think it's P. Anyway, I sit down. I look at him. I'm working at a church. I'm like, dude, I just don't know about Jesus. I just don't know about that man. I don't know what to do with him. I feel like I can talk to God. I feel like the Holy Spirit. Fine. This whole Jesus thing, though, man, that was getting me. Um, I have since evolved from that. And some one of the ways that I really started to understand and get my own personal understanding of Jesus was from your grace in that comment. I mean, you just sat there and you're like, mm. all right, that happened. You gave me some books. We talked. Um, I used to love the Old Testament because I love literature. And it's just this big sweeping story. Yeah. And it's just beautiful and I would avoid the New Testament because it just I don't know it just didn't feel right. Did it feel too didactic like too teachy too? Well that's what I want to get to so let's let's get right into that so Old Testament amazing and then we have the Gospels Mm -hmm. great Mm -hmm. love the Gospels. Narrative story. Jesus is talking then we get into trouble yeah because then Paul writes half the rest of it and he never knew Jesus (laughs) yeah so then we have so it makes sense in the Bible, in the Gospels, Jesus said this. We can argue over and over again, did he actually say that? Yeah. Did we record this correctly? Yeah. I'm going to assume we did. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Okay. Jesus said these things. I take comfort in that. 
And I just want you all who are listening to know that four or five months ago, I didn't take comfort in that. So this is a very fluid thing for me and it should be for you. This matters. These questions are important. Then we get to Acts Mm -hmm. and all hell breaks loose. Like literally, you know, the Holy Spirit comes, there's Pentecost, and then there's various styles, but we have a bunch of letters that are written mostly from Paul to these little tiny baby Christian churches dealing with very specific little issues that they're having with false teachings and things like that. Um, And we take that often, I would say, in Christian culture to be just as important. Paul's words about what this church should do in Corinth is usually taken and cited with the same depth that what Jesus says. Right. So what do we do with that? What do you do? Yeah, you're like, where's your question? Yeah. I think that's fascinating because, of course... And I'm drinking coffee. Can we have that disclaimer right now? Yeah. Well, I'm leaning back in my... Can you hear that, everybody? Yeah. I mean, we're in a high-tech studio. Very I, I high totally tech. understand. This good word uh, right here in Maple Grove. Coffee, so if I slurp, I apologize. Well, we, so... We can talk now. Okay. I have several thoughts on that because Paul, Paul did write most of the New Testament, at least many of the books, and they are letters. Yes. And they're letters that have really sometimes bizarre details in them. Like, bring my coat, by the way, and, and have so-and-so send my books. You know, they it's made like, a great what? pot roast. Yeah. Thank them for <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, Syntyche and Eutychus, tell them to stop fighting. Well, what are they fighting about, you know? And so... The pot roast. There's, right, right. And, and, but, but I think we tend to forget that all of the scriptures happened in a certain place in a certain time, and there were really certain issues that Paul... And I really think in Paul's mind, he's writing to these people. Now, he knows that these letters are going to be shared around. And I think that's part of what, um, I think that's part of what the plan was to, in the different churches. So-and-so is going to, you know, say, hey, look what, he, look what he wrote to the Colossians. Was that like a thing? But, yeah. They pass letters around? Oh, there's no email. I mean, how else are you going to no, do it? No, I know. I totally get that. But you know, there's one thing to write a treatise or to publish a book and right. distribute it. There's right. another... You know, there's so many historical figures where we read their letters. Right. And we take all sorts of meaning from their letters. Well, they're relating a letter to one person. They're not writing that letter to me. Right. But and. within that letter, if you're a figure like Paul, you're going to say, hey, Katie, hope your dog biscuit is, you know, over his, and he didn't have a <laughs> bowel did. obstruction, but what no, if he did? And the whole did. thing. And yeah. then, you know, the readers, like, like say someone got a hold of that 2,000 yeah. years later, and it's like, Who's biscuit? And yes. What's a bowel obstruction? Yes. Don't they have laser, you know, yes. disc surgery? Laser disc? Aren't our bowels um, made out of bowels? Yeah. I mean, are, you know, there aren't even bowels anymore. We don't even eat anymore. <laughs> um, you know, what is this bowel thing? And But within the same letter, there might be this sweeping, beautiful thing about love and about how you, um, oh, I was so moved by your eulogy of your father last year. And I got a hold of a copy. And, oh, when you said this and this. I just felt about my own father. And, and then that would be immediately transferable. And so the biscuit bowel obstruction would be this mystery that we'd have to figure out. Uh, the love for your father displayed in your eulogy would be, would be this universal thing. And so I think there's this understanding of you really do have to understand that within these letters there are some universal things and there are really some very specific um, things that are just for that audience, like... You know, when Paul, Paul seems to be so anti-women, Paul seems to be so, but if you look at, um, Priscilla was a main leader in the church. There was all these women who were obviously teaching and leading in the church. And then when Paul says, 
you know, women, when you prophesy, cover your heads. Well, at other times he says, do not speak. Do not, I mean, be totally silent. Be totally submissive. So, but then he's saying to one group, when you prophesy, well, okay, so which one is it? Are they supposed to prophesy or not? And so clearly what was, not clearly. No. Very unclearly. <laughs> but, if you, but if you dive into the context of that, really women for the first time in the church were being let in mm-hmm. to learning and let in to teaching and they were they were seen as equals that there's neither slave nor free there's neither jew nor greek there's neither male nor female i mean the early church was this radical movement that would have seemed so progressive to the people at the time especially the jewish yes. brothers and sisters and so um many scholars agree that what was happening was some of these women who really didn't learn anything prior to that were just spouting off (laughs) and frankly someone needed to say listen you need to learn some more stuff before you spout off anymore but the problem is now two thousand years later when certain churches and pastors say women still should be silent and should not speak and i mean that's just ridiculous to me and i know i'm going to make some enemies here but i just need to say it out loud um that if you've heard a f- female speak and it has touched your heart if you've seen a woman lead and and it's made so much sense that she is a leader then how in the world are we supposed to believe that because of some letter that was written two thousand years ago to this certain situation that it was supposed to be for all time but having said all that i also say with some amount of humility that it's tough to know what is for all time and what is specific to a certain culture exactly and so what i would dive in here that's why we need a community of people together that are learning together that are asking questions together that's why i think teachers are important i think teachers that spend some time studying and learning not that the teacher has the final word Mm -hmm. or the last word but so that some other people can you know build barns and build tents and build cars and and then come and enter into a discussion and they get some background and feedback from someone who's spent a little time with the original languages or with the context and culture. Which I agree with, which I feel like brings us full circle, not that we're done, but to, um, I forgot. Okay. Yeah. I, it just, what you were saying makes me think about some notes that I was taking in preparing for this and thinking about it. It's like, who do you listen to? Right. Uh, so that was my connection. So you've got the guy making the tent, the lady making the car, this dude who's like, all right, I'm going to study the Bible for us, everybody. I'm going to yeah. get this figured out, and you're going to listen to me. All right, but even even that right there, I'm going to get this figured out, and you're going <laughs> to listen to me, right? So who are well, you going to listen yeah. to, right? So, and we all can choose that. I mean, we all, some of us, I'm just listening, I'm just, you know, projecting out here to the listeners, um, and there are thousands, actually. There's just, I mean, there's so, I, I want to speak to some of you. If you're in a situation where you're consistently sitting in or under a type of teaching that feels really um, top down and 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 um, what do you mean by top down? Well, like I know and you don't sure. know, so okay. I'm going to tell you. Hierarchical. And, yep, hierarchical. Um, no room for questioning. No room for differing opinions or interpretations. I just would question. You know, uh, how long do you want to be in that kind of environment? Um, and it might, might it be time to ask a question about who else might I need to listen to? I think that before we move on, I feel like we're starting to, I, I need to 
finish out some questions about the New Testament and who wrote it and why and if it's God, God's word. Um, I think that it is, but I think it's also challenging. Like Hebrews, we don't even know who wrote it. Right. How delicious is that, by the way? <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? I love that. Well, sure. And I do. And, and that's what I, I'm trying to. I love that too you sometimes. You secretly hate it. I don't secretly hate it. I'm going to say it in front of all your listeners that I do hate it a little bit just because I will always be brought to this question. How did, so God made this Bible. How did that happen? How did that yeah. divine inspiration come into this? Yeah. And you look at all the books of the Testament that were not canonized, right. that were not put into the modern day Bible we know today. It's so confusing. Yeah. So the history, Old Testament, fine. Big, sweeping, beautiful narratives and pastoral. Th- I mean, that's awesome. Talking about Jesus, very interesting. A whole bunch of letters. Did God really want those in there? What if Saul wasn't converted by God? What right. if Saul was crazy? Right. Well, and so I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not, I mean, so the issue of what's in the canon, what should be in the canon, what shouldn't be in the canon, how do yeah. we know? How I can't, I can't totally, you no. know, I can't do real justice to that other than to say, I love the, so the the ELCA, um, which I'm not a part of, but I respect uh, greatly the sort of the Lutheran, you grew up Catholic, yeah. so maybe you're going to hate me for this, but they believe, and I really agree with this, that the Word of God is, is really at least three things. One of it is the words found in the Bible. Mm-hmm. One of it is the person of Jesus, Jesus who's yeah. living and active and alive and still leading the church. And the third is the body of Christ in terms of the believers that gather together. And so the Word of God manifests itself in at least all three of those ways, through the Holy Spirit, through the reading of the word, through the person of Jesus. You, you had a question. So why in the English language do we call it the word of God? Because it doesn't mean word. Well, word means logos, which does mean word. And I think it's one of the words of God. It's one of. Now, and there are certain traditions that where the word of God, meaning the Bible, is like the paper pope. You know, yes. that's, that's like the even more important than Jesus, like the Bible. Yes. We believe in the Bible. Yes. And I believe in the Bible, but I believe in the Bible primarily because I believe in Jesus the Christ, who created all things, who was there in the beginning, who uh, through the Holy Spirit empowers and indwells people. And, um, and I believe that the Bible is a collection of different types of literature, poetry, letters, Oh, so prophecy fun. and there's so much influence from greek culture yep. and satire and the yep. way dialogues oh yeah i mean it's just and you know so the hebrew scriptures some people call that the old testament i would call it the hebrew scriptures that's the mind of the hebrew mind is just so radically different than the western u.s you know rational mind there's just so much room for questions for differing interpretations mystery and we just don't have much room for that in the western logical enlightenment mind no which so, is very difficult right but we're that's why like for example at our church mm-hmm. uh, genesis we ask a ton of questions we the sermon is a bunch of questions where we have and there's some teaching in there for sure but there's questions because <laughs> there is some yeah, teaching there's some in there. teaching don't worry there. everybody there's some teaching in there yeah but um but i think that's important to remember too that um that the bible is 
differing forms of literature. Genesis 1 is a poem. Yeah. It's a poem. It's a beautiful poem. Yeah. You know, but that's why it's, to me... Somebody wrote a book about someone it. Someone wrote a <laughs> um, it, It's, But that's why it's a little ridiculous to me getting into all kinds of arguments about are these seven 24-hour yeah. periods where there are dinosaurs yeah. in which part. And it's, it's like, oh my goodness, it's so much bigger than that. Yeah. So much bigger than that. Because I, I, Enlightenment helped us in so many ways answer questions that we needed to answer. But in other ways, it cripples us because when we're trying to read literature from six, seven, eight thousand years ago, um, it's very difficult to get into the mind of yeah. the writers and the listeners. And if you think about, though, not everybody knows what the Enlightenment is. Do you want to give a 15 second? Well, yeah, right? 1600s. Um, what was the big schism? Was there this? I mean, I'm not even going to say this right. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, at. Okay, I'm a, I'm a theologian, not a history You're a buff. Pastor. But, you know, about 500 years ago, there was a movement um, that went toward rationalism and went toward away from, oh, yeah, miracles are totally, miracles exist, yep. and, and the supernatural absolutely exists. That's absolutely, the reason why that person died is because they had a demon crawled into his mouth uh, in the middle of the night and, and lit a fire in his ribs, and he died. Yes. Of course, that's what everyone believes. Enlightenment um, would say, no, actually, he got malaria. And he it had a fever, mosquitoes. and the mosquitoes really did bite him, and that's why he died. Yeah. Now, that's good, right? I mean, yeah. we shouldn't, I mean, oh my gosh. There's value in that. There's total value in that. But we miss that. out on some life as well. Exactly. Okay. Well, I could sit here and talk about the Bible forever, but... Are we moving on? I sense we're moving on. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like... We, we might come to... back. <laughs> I hope that we would. <laughs> to the Bible. <laughs> I feel like it might be a reference point. I think the hardest thing, we're switching. Yeah. This is a wild switching transition. Gears. So you and I were talking here. We're kind of, you know, you're kind of preaching to the choir a little bit okay. for me. I mean, I look at you with skepticism as I look at all people. And we're kind of smirking at each other like the listeners can't see what I'm doing, the faces I'm making at you. But generally, you and I agree on a lot of some of these foundational things. What on earth do we do? We do. What do, what do I do as a human being with people who don't believe? People that I love. Like, that's one of the hardest parts is you can't force anyone to believe right. in God. You can't. There are no words. There are no whatever. It's out of our control, but it isn't because we could bring them to church. Right. Or we could do these things. Right. And I think everybody has to figure out that conflict in their head about what they're going to do with the people in their lives that they love that perhaps don't believe? But what do you... Well, I think yeah, that's such a great, such a great such question, a great right? Question. And I would want to know, like, is there a question underneath that question? Like, um, you know, um, okay, you love someone that doesn't believe in God or at least doesn't believe in katie just totally set down her coffee in the most gentle Super way quiet, you told so me. that it wouldn't go like that you know? <laughs> anyway you're so on disruptive the, on the desk um no i think it's such a great great question but the question underneath the question is i have several questions underneath the question one why do i feel a kind of pressure do i feel a kind of pressure as an evangelical christian sure so that other people will believe the same thing that i do and if i feel that pressure where does that come from is that a good pressure is it a bad pressure um, I hope listeners are you like I, I, wish, I wish I could get an amen here like oh my gosh yes 
Um, is it because um, you really love someone and you want to give them this beautiful piece of yeah. chocolate cake that you're just enjoying so much? Yes. And why don't you? And it's just, it's 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 yes. it's, it's, it's awesome. It's right it's, here. It's, it's right. Yes. Um, and is it a, a thing of um, you would love to share something with them that you love and it's really affected your life? And then it gets down to this word sort of evangelism, which has all kinds of weird connotations. For those of you that don't know what that word evangelism, I mean, I think you know what it is, but it's like in 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 the truest sense of the word that it's sharing sharing with others what you think is good news. So if you love your iPhone six and you love the pictures that it takes and you love Apple, you're gonna evangelize Apple. I mean, you're gonna say, you know, this iPhone's the best or six S now or six S. That's ridiculous. I hope you all know that Weens is like describing himself right now. Yeah, <laughs> you are so that person. <laughs> Look what well, okay. I got. Let's take it away from Apple. Yeah, you go to you know you go on vacation somewhere and it's this little known spot in the U.S. Virgin Islands and it's just this great little place and you oh you have to go there or you go to this restaurant oh my gosh I had the the calamari there it's yes. so good and the and the, the, they had this certain sauce and you it's so great. You want people to share in it. You right. want that. And so we naturally talk about the things that we are being nourished by or experiencing joy with or getting pleasure out of we're, we're, we're going to naturally talk about those things now so my question is like what if we could just take the pressure off of people that don't believe because i mean off of them and off of us what i try to do and this is i mean i'm a pastor oh my gosh i feel like you know you are a pastor but um i don't really want to certainly don't want to force anyone else to believe anything that i believe in but I do want to be very authentic and joyful about what I am enjoying and what I am um, believing in, what I, what I am experiencing in, in God. And I think the friendships that I have with people who aren't mm-hmm. um, Christians in the way that I'm, I'm a Christian, hopefully we, we, we can have a real dialogue about life that includes all of those things. That, but it isn't about hey I'm trying to get you and so let's let's keep talking I, yeah. I don't think this is what you're asking me but I because no, some people that think so like let's let's take off the table hey I'm gonna try to get you to sign on the dotted line so you can be part of the club you know yeah can we take that off and can we instead say have conversations like what are the things in your life that really are bringing you joy bringing you life um, where do you go when you really experience deep levels of pain and disappointment? What is your concept of God? Because most of us have a concept of God. And the God that we've rejected typically is a God we should have rejected. Like sure. I, I, I think when we reject God, um, there's lots of great reasons why people do that. Um, they have unanswered questions. Their mom got hit by a drunk driver and some pastor came to them and said, well... I guess God needed another angel in heaven and your mom, you know, that's who I wanted to be up here with Ouch. me. So ridiculous, right? Um, and, and so I would want to say to that person, oh gosh, I don't believe in that God either. That's ridiculous. Um, I can keep going in that, but... I think what I would like to move on to is The Great Divorce. C.S. Lewis? C.S. Lewis. Yes. So I'm not going to presume. I just read it, by yeah. the way. Um, and that book just tickled me because it, so if you have someone, so the subject matter of the great divorce is heaven and hell. Um, it's, it's not about marriage. Although I was in a church one time that in, in their bookstore under, it was in the marriage section. It was not. It was in, I swear to you, it was in the marriage section. Because it had the word divorce in it. Yep. 
Yep. So The Great Divorce is a little, little tiny, little beautiful book by yes. C.S. Lewis, which so discusses good. really the nature of what is heaven and what is hell. So what I wanted to say is, um, I, and, and something that's annoying is Lewis writes this amazing book, and then he ends it with, oh, it was this guy having a dream in the bombings in World War II, and he fell and hit his head, and then it's done. And he even puts in his prologue, like, this is not meant to, real, to represent anything, but I think he so captures what a lot of people think. And the premise and what's so funny is that it's just, it's basically this group of people who are brought up to heaven and given this opportunity to see it. Yeah. They're like, all right, you're here. No questions asked. You are here. It's accepted. like a tour bus, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. It's literally a tour. Like they say Napoleon's down there yeah. and he just wanted to hang out there. So these people who come up. Napoleon's off in the distance. It's way far pacing. away. Pacing. So it's interesting. Napoleon is people. in heaven. Yes. But he has he is totally isolated. He's in the gray place. He's I don't angry. think that's heaven though. He's in the gray place. He's in the gray place. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So he's in the gray. Napoleon's down there. These people board a bus and they go up to heaven. And essentially it's this bus full of people and you learn about each one and they're given this opportunity and they come up with all the reasons why they don't want to go to heaven. Right. And it's fascinating. Right. This one woman, she doesn't want to go because she finds out that when she's there, she doesn't get to boss around her husband anymore. Right. This one biblical scholar decides he doesn't want to go to heaven because he's really actually starting to write some good work down there in the gray place, especially about what would happen if Jesus didn't die at a young age. And how would his theology mature? And so he's going to write a book about it, so he doesn't want to go to heaven. Right. And uh, uh, this person who doesn't want to go because the person who killed his friend is in heaven, he doesn't think that that person should be there, so he doesn't want to go. And I don't know how that's all connected, but when I, I think about people who don't believe in New Guinea headhunters, mm. do we ever talk about the New... Do you ever <laughs> think about yeah. it that way? Yes. That's something my dad always brought up. My dad passed away a year ago, and it's something he always talked about was the New Guinea headhunters. And if they had heard, if they hadn't had an odd opportunity to hear about Christianity yet, do they go to hell? Right. Do they go to heaven? Right. I'm not asking a question. I'm wondering. Yeah. But I think you need to answer something. Yeah, well, what's the nature of heaven and what's the nature of hell? It's interesting, Dallas Willard, um, author, late philosopher, USC philosopher, author of uh, The Divine Conspiracy, probably the best thinker of our time. Um, he said that I was in a room, actually. Uh, I was in, it was a great opportunity to be in this room with 15 pastors. And one pastor goes, who do you think is going to be in heaven? You know? And his answer was so fascinating. He goes, everybody that can stand it. Yeah. You know, it's like, whoa. And so that goes to this woman who can't boss her husband around. Exactly. And I think so, I, I think the picture I have of heaven and hell actually comes out of the story of the prodigal son. Mm -hmm. So here's this guy, he, the, the son goes away, he wastes his father's money on wild living, comes back wants to be a servant, the father says, no way, I'm going to accept you as a son again, and there's this big party. He doesn't, um, doesn't sacrifice a lamb, sacrifices the, the fatted calf, yeah. which would have been enough food for the whole village, mm -hmm. which also means that he probably had some reconciliation to do with those villagers who probably, you know, he had shame on him because his son left. Sure. So not only is he reconciling with the son, but he's reconciling with the whole village, and the son is reconciling with the whole village. It's just this communal aspect of the story mm -hmm. that gets lost a lot 
um, because we don't know the well, culture. Well, right? lost yeah. a lot. Yeah. So, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, that's why there's time. Yeah. And then we have this picture of the elder brother who's standing a long distance off, and he won't go in. But the father goes out to visit him. The father says, and the son, how come you've never done that to me? I've worked for you my whole life. Mm-hmm. This is a son saying to the father, I've worked for you my whole life. Um, how come you never even so much as sacrificed a goat for me? And the father says, well, son, don't you understand? You know, everything I have is yours, mm-hmm. and I'm always with you. Yeah. And That was always there, and the son yeah. never saw it. Yeah. Never felt it. Never felt it. Never saw it. And so the party's right there, but he can't stand it. He can't stand that his loser younger brother, who really did, I mean, say, you know, F you to everybody, and was really offensive, and was really, I mean, did a horrible thing was unheard of in that culture. Now he's back, and he's the ring's on his finger, the robe is on his back, his father's treating him like a like the favorite son. Um, there's a real confrontation in that, you know, like can we be expansive enough to believe that grace is that radical? Um, so radical that it will make you uncomfortable who gets in. And whose fault is it? The older son or the father that the older son doesn't want to come in? Mm. Well, I mean, that's a great question, right? Um, I think so. But, but if you, you know, so if you look at it, C.S. Lewis, logically, right? Mm-hmm. All we know about the father is his generosity. Sure. That's all we know. Um, now, we, we don't know that. And, and it, at, at the end of the day, this was a story that Jesus yes. made up. Yes. Right? So, you know, when we say, well, the father did this or didn't do that. Yeah. So there are things we don't know. You know, did the father ever, was the father ever mean to the older son? Get, yeah. get back out there. You know, the old, he's, he's the yeah. oldest son. He's going to yeah. treat him like the, you know, the responsible one. Yeah. But what we do know is that he goes out from the party to get him. He says, all I have is yours and you're with me at always. Um, but your son is lost. I mean, your brother was lost and now he's found. Mm-hmm. And, and then the story ends without knowing how it, you know. So I think... I think, whose fault is it? I don't know. But the invitation is to us, older brothers, who are looking at the world and the temptation is to say, you know, us four, no more. It's me and my people that us get it. Us four, no more? Is that, a, is that a Christian thing? Oh, there's an old evangelical <laughs> thing, yeah. Us four, no more, shut the door. Oh, it's for a goodness thing. sake. Yeah. Oh, it's just, I mean, so that's what you would say when you're sort of making fun of people that just wanted to be themselves but then sure. without realizing oh my gosh that's me too sure um <laughs> you know because it's i mean grace actually should offend you i mean it's if if, it, if you yeah. get it, it it should kind of piss you off um because it means it's for them too mm-hmm. whoever them is for you it's offered to them too and i think that's 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 radical Katie, I'm looking at the clock. We're at 51 yes. minutes. It's crazy. It is. Uh, we could keep going. It went really fast. Do you so pick maybe one or two of your questions? You could transform them into like light, more lightning round questions, and I can sure. answer them quick. And then we do want to get to a few questions that the um, that the readers, the beautiful readers, the beautiful readers, the beautiful readers sent in. You know, I only have. I think we've covered a lot of my questions and I, I specifically didn't ask the questions that I kind of knew were presented for the lightning round right. because I knew we'd get to those. Yeah. So this was just my personal 
a snapshot of things that I am currently grappling with right now. Um, and I'm, I'll just end literally with uh, scripture, with John 12, mm. if I could just... So he just raised Lazarus. Lazarus. Yeah, everyone says Lazarus. Lazarus. Isn't that funny? I know. Everyone says Lazarus. Lazarus. But it's an Lazarus. S. On there's the a lot of stuff there. And then there's this story in verses 9 through 53, or this description. Is it just discussion? Caiaphas? Is that his name? Mm -hmm. The high priest? Mm -hmm. So it basically suggests that Caiaphas, the high priest, who I thought wanted to put Jesus to death, actually wanted, predicted that he was going to be. He would die for the nation and unite the nation. I'm going to hey, read this to Yeah, you. can you read it? Okay. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all. So to them, um, the Pharisees? Yes. Okay. You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should per perish. He did not say this of his own accord. But being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Yeah, and so... What on earth? I just read that the other day. I'm like, I have to ask you. I don't know if I have a great answer to that question. Um, other than to say, see, it's really <laughs> yes. mysterious when we start asking the question who gets it who doesn't get it yes who's bad who's good and we typically read all things but especially the bible as a here's the bad guys here's the good guys let's make sure the bad guys are always bad let's mm -hmm. make sure the good guys are always good and the scriptures are just not written that way they're not in fact almost every good guy david king david moses moses murderer david was an adulterer i mean david um i think rob bell says it somewhere like like when you think david you got to think uh, House of Cards, yes. and you got to think Frank Underwood, and then you, you know you got to think Game of Thrones, which I mean, is the name of my husband, like, by the way, it, is David, man after David, God's own yeah, heart, right, yeah. right, and so you know David is this was man after God's own heart, but yeah. it's also you got to know big time womanizer and you know big time manipulator, charmer. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's king and he's amazing. He's, he wrote the Psalms, and oh my goodness, there was never a king greater than David, but. He was also filled with all kinds of weirdness and sin and, and stuff. And and so that's why, like, even Pharisees, we tend to poo-poo the Pharisees and they're terrible people. And in many ways, some of them were. And But we also read in the book of the Acts, as you referenced earlier, that there were some Pharisees that were a part of that little community of Jesus followers. Yes. You know, and so it's like, can people change? I think people can change. Are people all good or all bad? No, I think we're mixed. I think we're dust and breath and limited and limitless and human and holy. So I ran together. And I think that that's, I know. <laughs> and I think, and honestly, I, I mean, first, I wanted to ask that at the end because I kind of want this dialogue that we're having to kind of end on an unresolved note. Right. Because these questions are going to keep getting asked. Right. And I just want everyone to just like, as much as I think it's dangerous to just not everyone, if you choose, to just jump in there and start reading. But then you're going to read about this little thing where Caiaphas decides that he's going to put Jesus to death and maybe he's the reason why Jesus died. It's yeah. very confusing. Yes. But just keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And you I, should have, you should keep having questions. You should keep having more questions. I think as we dive into the scriptures and read and understand about God, God is, you know, our understanding of God, as I said last week in boxes, 
must keep expanding to catch up. God's out ahead. Yeah. I mean, we're not, God's not behind. God's out ahead. So, okay. Right. Uh, let's do some quick lightning round from some of our listeners. And, um, and I really am going to do these quick. Um, so this may or may not satisfy you, but here we go. So number one, Weens, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Trinity, <laughs> Father, Son, and Spirit. It's interesting, the, the word that's described for hundreds of years is this Greek word perichoresis. Peri means around, choresis means to dance. So that's where we get our word choreography. Mm-hmm. And the Trinity is understood as a community. Let us create people in our image, Father, Son, and Spirit, that existed before time began. Ex nilo is the right word, I think. Um, and so there's Father, Creator. In our family, we say um, Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. And Redeemer is the Son, Sustainer is the Spirit. The, the Spirit is the part of God that indwells people. The Spirit is the what who whispers to you when you feel like you've gotten these three or four words from God. The mm-hmm. Spirit instructs. The Spirit acts as an advocate for you. Um, the Spirit um, is called a counselor a guide, a comforter. If you've ever felt in a strange way comforted by God, that's the spirit. My little question would be like why doesn't why do we need the Holy Spirit? Why doesn't God just do that? God does just do that. Yeah. Through the Holy Through Spirit. The Holy spirit. And so of course the Trinity is is yeah. our meager way to understand the yeah. different natures of God. Yep. Number two, sex outside of marriage. Oh mama. Sin? Eh? Yeah, so the word sin just simply means to miss the mark, both in Hebrew and in Greek. So what are when it comes to sex, what misses the mark and what hits the mark? And I think, you know, we all could agree, you know, like uh, having random hookups with random people misses the mark. That's a missing the mark type of behavior. Um, I think, but, but take it out of the realm of like God, you know? <laughs> like God doesn't like it when you hook up randomly with strangers. I'm going to argue at the end of the day, there could be some excitement to that. There could be some energy to that. There could you be could some, meet your husband that you way. You meet your husband that way. All kinds of things could happen. But at the end of the day, that's probably not going to bring you a life of fulfillment, joy, and you are sharing uh, something with someone that I think is much more sacred than we, than our charged culture allows it to be. And so... I am going to go way out on the limb here and say, I think sex outside of marriage misses the mark. I think sex is such a beautiful, sacred, intimate, vulnerable thing that, yikes, I mean, to, to, like, to, to engage in that outside of this marriage that's like, man, I'm with you forever, um, misses the mark. Now, okay, so maybe you're, maybe you're having sex outside of marriage. You're not going to get hit by lightning. God's not pissed off at you. God's, but you know. But God hates sin. What about God loves people? God loves people. I would agree that that's also true. But because, God also hates sin. And yes, okay, yes. And I'm not going <laughs> to argue with that. But I'm also going to say sin is typically the way. It's the pathway that I find God again. I'm not saying sin is good. Please don't hear me wrong. This is more of a no. Romans seven type thing when it says, sure, I don't, you know, what I what I want to do, I don't do. What I what I do do, I don't want to do. Um, but there are, I mean, I can just count the times in, in my life where it really is my 
sin that drives me to say, oh my gosh, God, I need you again. I think I can second that. <clears throat> and so, um, yeah. And so if you're having sex outside of marriage, what I would say is, okay, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? Um, and when you take that to God, what happens? It's so comforting. I just, I feel, I feel this soothingness, you know, from that answer, just because I think most people would brace for judgment. Yeah. And for shame. Yeah. And then part of me wonders, are we supposed to have the judgment and shame? Well, now there is the difference between guilt and shame, right? Brene Brown. Yes. Shame says you are bad. Yes. Guilt says you did something mm -hmm. bad. And guilt is, can be productive. A guilty, a guilt mm -hmm. response. Oh my gosh, I yelled at my wife. That's not something I want to do. I feel guilty about it. I go apologize. We're mm -hmm. good. Shame says, oh my gosh, I yelled at my wife. I'm a terrible husband and I never will get it right. Yes. And so, um, and I, th I do think that's a careful or a helpful mm -hmm. distinction, right? It is. Um, but I don't typically, I'm never motivated to change my behavior when I feel shame. Yeah. I'm only motivated to hide. Yes. To dig deeper into yep. it. Yep. So, uh, Steve, can you lose your salvation? Yeah, I mean, this is such a, like, this is this endless question. Like, can you, I don't, I mean. And what is it to begin with? Yeah, I think Jesus died on the cross for all people. And I think if we could lose our salvation, I would so many times. Yeah. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, no, I don't think you can. Because then, then it's all about me. If, if it's about, if my salvation is about me, then I'm, I'm done. <laughs> we're toast. Yeah, we're toast. Are all sins created equal? Which I think is interesting when we talked about the Bible earlier, earlier in our conversation. Yes. Where you don't want to take necessarily all verses as created as equal, as all bits of yeah. the Bible as created yeah. equal. I would say this. If you, if you get behind the wheel after you've had too much to drink and you kill someone, you're going to have some consequences that are going to last the rest of your life. And you're going to feel a kind of regret for the rest of your life. You might get levels of freedom from that. Um, and, and if you think Steve Weens is a real megalomaniac, you know, mm -hmm. um, it's a huge sin. Not that that's a sin. I, maybe I should come up with this. But, you know, <laughs> if, if, if you, if you flip someone off in traffic or if you yell at your kids, okay. Um, let's call those both sins. Um, from a human standpoint, mm -hmm. certain consequences are bigger than others. Yeah. Right. From the standpoint of God's grace and mercy, that there cannot be certain sins that get forgiven and certain sins that don't get forgiven because, again, we would all be toast. And what I hear you saying, though, is that the consequence is played out, is meted out in this lifetime. It, it, and that's what I think is most... Like, people talk about hell. I watched this movie last night, not last night, several nights ago, um, that was all about World War II, and it was so good, but also mm -hmm. so intense. Yes. The, the scene of murder. And I'm like, this is hell. I mean... Like, if you believe in hell, don't don't believe in hell. Believe hell's some different place. Okay, whatever. This right now is hell. What happened in World War II is hell. I mean, that is intensely awful and grisly. And um, in the same way, I think of the Syrian refugees right, right now. Right. Marching through yeah. Europe, holding yeah. their possessions and their babies with and, absolutely nowhere to go. And then the winter is coming and it's starting to rain. And who wants to take them all in? Germany. That's so fascinating. You're talking about World War II. It all comes so, around. So, I mean, even that is like this, oh my gosh, Germany, this, I mean, 
doing the unspeakable in, in World War II, the Holocaust. And some collective, progressive consciousness is leading them to say, we'll take them. Yeah. We'll take them all. Mysterian refugees. I mean, that's kind of crazy. So, um, it has to be crazy. Somebody's got to yeah. do something crazy. Yeah. So, are all sins created equal? You would say no. Well, again, I would say yes and no, and that's my answer for almost everything. Mm-hmm. From the standpoint of God, a sin is a sin, and you're forgiven for whatever sin. From the standpoint of consequences, real human consequences, then they're not. I mean, yeah. you're gonna. There are some sins where you will pay the price, humanly speaking, for a lot longer, and everyone knows that. Yeah. All right, number five. If it's all about forgiveness, then I can just keep sinning knowingly or unknowingly and ask forgiveness what does that say in our will be and all will be well right or is there a limit your handwriting was suffering there (laughs) so if it's all about forgiveness then i can just keep sinning and ask for forgiveness and all will be well right question to mark or is there a limit yeah so that's a great question you know is is there a limit and i would um i would on a theological level, say, no, there's no limit to God's forgiveness. Mm-hmm. There's no limit. You actually could keep sinning and keep getting forgiven. Yeah. That's grace. Well, we do every day, thank right. God. We do every day, thank God. But I would also say, and this is sort of, it's, it's, it's a fun question in the sense that um, if, you know, if, if imagine yourself being married and go like, how much can I flirt with other people? <laughs> like, I mean, can I just touch their arm? Yeah. Can I make out with them? Can I have sex with them? And, and how much would you forgive me? You know what I mean? Like, like how, how far can I what go? Because I, I want to be married to you, mm-hmm. but I also really want to flirt what with other people. What are my limits people. here? You know, it's like if, if you had a decent marriage, your spouse would look at you like you're crazy because you, and like you don't get it at all. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and I, you know, um, so that's where I would go. I would go, I would go, a relationship with God is intimate and, Human, it's a human connecting with the divine, which is this totally radical thought. But um, when we're asking, you know, like sort of how far can I go? I would say, rewind the tape and what do you want? You, you want to go flirt? I mean, like if I'm the spouse mm-hmm. to, to that person that's asking me, my spouse, hey, how, how much can I flirt? I would yeah. say, what do you want? Do you want to flirt? Yeah. And if you want to flirt, you should by all means go flirt. I mean, and go as far as you want to go. If that's what you want to do, you need to go do that. Now, that's not a relationship with me, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, it, like that, that, if you continually say, I want to be married to you in, in name, but I want to go flirt, I would say, we don't have a relationship. To begin with. Yeah. You don't have the foundation anyway. No, we don't have a relationship. And boom. I mean, that's quite a sentence yeah. to end with, if you think about that theologically. But I think... I think, like, you know, God, everyone, I heard this, lots of people have said this, but basically, everyone gets what they want. Everyone gets what they want. Doesn't mean red Ferrari, doesn't Mm -hmm. mean a spouse, if you want a spouse, doesn't mean a baby, if you want a baby, but from the standpoint of spiritually speaking, what do you want? Do you want to flirt? Do you want God? God, if you want God, God will meet you there in whatever state that you're at. And whatever questions, doubts, humanity, even dark, dark, darkness. Hmm. 
God will meet you there and you will get God if you want God. You will get God. Um, I think what's interesting is I think of the accumulation of sin and in that perhaps that marriage. It's like how much, because I, I do, I believe that whether or not you believe in the Christian God or whatever God that you're believing in, I do believe that there's something inside of us as humans that knows that we're doing something wrong. Yeah. And it accumulates. Right. So it's like how many times can you cheat or um, or flirt until you just can't stand it inside yourself anymore? Right. So and I feel then like you we go, even are yeah. self-limited in that respect. I feel yes. like there's only so much sin I can tolerate the day where I'm just like, man, I just got to go to bed because I'm making yeah. a bad day today. No, and I think that that actually I think is a great example of there is this part of us that goes, I, I wasn't created for this. Yeah. This is, you know, this is not filling me up. And I think that's why God says to those of us that want to go flirt, and I'm using flirt, of course, as a very yeah. broad. Of course. Go flirt. Go flirt. Get a go do belly it. full of that flirting. <laughs> Get a, that's what Dave Johnson used to say. Get a Your belly, belly full, full of, of that, whatever that thing is that you want. It's not like, you better stop that or else I'll be mad. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, no, you need to do that. Well, go do that. But And I really will be here when you return because that's empty. Um, so please don't murder people. So please don't murder people. And if you do, there's going to be some drastic consequences and much, much pain. Yeah. So please don't do that. And if you do that, life is going to be very, very hard for you and, and, and for others. Just as a natural consequence of yeah. what you have done, yeah. regardless of spirituality or God. Right. That's just, that's the laws of the universe, the way, how we were created. That's Was that fun. it? Yeah. Should we keep going? No, let's not keep going. We're at, we're at an, <laughs> we're hour, an hour, hour and 10 nine. minutes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Katie. You're I mean, if, if I had a studio audience here, we would clap <laughs> for you. You're so great. This is so fun. So fun. Um, okay. I'm going to end here. Just I have to, to give a shout out. Oh, shout out. Sorry. Yeah. So, okay. So to my brother-in-law, Nate Erickson, oh, who Nate. I was talking to last night. Mm. And he's like, can you do shout outs? Because he had, he is actually a, a Christian um, DJ. He likes rap, Christian rap. Yeah, He's baby. had radio shows before. Well, and so he really wanted to shout out. So, hey, Nate. Hey, Nate. That's all. All right. And my sister, too, whom I love desperately. Desperately. Him. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Uh, thank you, Katie. You're this welcome. was so fun. Was really fun. Uh, we'll see again. what kind of feedback we get. Uh, please check out the show notes, steveweens.com. I'm going to include, I'm going to reference a couple books here. I'm going to put the Rainer Maria Rilke quote on there. I will put the details in the book release party. And if you want to pre-order my book, Beginnings, you can do that. If you want to read the first, the introduction in the first chapter, I'm going to put the link to that. Um and all, that's all in the show notes. But what is blowing my mind, really, this is just, I'm going to give you two resources if you have more questions. And it's two totally different books. But the first book is a book called Unapologetic by Francis Spuford. He is a British fellow who wrote Unapologetic a couple of years ago. And it's his apologetic um of why Christianity, despite all the craziness, still makes surprising emotional sense. And he dives into all the big questions with the true cynical um, and beautiful uh, raw honesty of someone that you really know is dealing with the questions big time. It could be helpful for you to explain just quickly what an apology is. I feel like that's a theological term a lot of people don't know. An apologetic is a defense. Uh, This is why I believe this. And so Francis Buford is calling his apologetic an unapologetic. I love it. And so just play around with that. 
Uh, the other one that I would say is this book by G.K. Chesterton called Orthodoxy. And it was written, gosh, at least 60 years ago. It is so good. G.K. Chesterton was one of the masters. He's really, really good. And if you really want to dive into the very deep end, go to Dallas Willard, The Divine Conspiracy. It's a very thick book, very dense, but so very good. It's kind of the source book for many, many writers uh, today. And so, check out The Great Divorce. Oh, The Great Divorce is really brilliant. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes as well, yeah. C.S. Lewis. And um, yes, thank you for that, Katie. Mm-hmm. Very good. Okay, uh, that's that. Katie, you want to read the uh, credo? Yes. Because we, we end this, and I thought it'd be fun if you would read it. This is how we end every time. I know, I listen. I know. <laughs> we are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and holy. And we are in it together. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week.